I was going to say one of the things about the organic thing, though, what you mentioned, where the farmers shouldn't use, they, they, you know, some people want farmers to be more organic. My, my opinion is like if they want their food organic, they should probably grow it themselves because farmers have, like you said, a lot to do. Like they've got families, and mm -hmm. a lot of things that's always said in the game industry is, you know, work smart, don't work hard. Because mm -hmm. if you have a tool, if you can make a tool where you can, you know, produce a hundred models instead of individual ones. You may as well use that tool. It's going to help. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you energy. That energy can be spent somewhere else. Energy can the energy that you save can be spent on resources as well to help other people, or just mm -hmm. have time to yourself. So you know, I always say, work smart, don't work hard. Yep, work smarter, not harder. Yep. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black. In today's episode, I have yet again another consumer conversation. Joining me today is the host of the Raw Life podcast, Paul. He's going to give his own little introduction. Go, go ahead, Paul. Uh, hello. I was going to say, oh my God, I was going to do my podcast introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul. I host the Raw Life podcast. I also work in the video game industry as a 3D artist. Mm. Um... I've recently moved. I'm originally from Tipton, which is a small place in, well, near Birmingham. And I now live in London, which is pretty good because I've been trying to get out of Tipton for years. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much, I mean, I, I spend a lot of my time doing creative stuff. I'm always very dedicated, even though this sounds more like a CV. <laughs> <laughs> um, play a lot of video games. I like to create stuff. And that's pretty much me. I always like to try and keep busy. Awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely relate to that. Um, that yeah, you know, that's really cool. I've you know, I think we talked about it on on your podcast, but I'm you know a big fan of video games. I've been involved in that my entire life. Um, so I'm definitely able to relate to that that lifestyle. Um, it's kind of interesting. So you mentioned that you're from Tipton originally. Um, my uh, hometown, or actually where where I grew up for for most of my childhood, is a city in in California that's also called Tipton. No so way, really, bro. Yeah, so um, I'm, 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 yeah, so I'm from Tulare, um, but but Tulare is literally it's it's right up against Tipton. And I went to school, you know, I went to elementary school in Tipton, and I spent the first ten years of my life in Tipton, and I go there all the time. Like it's that's basically my second home, and so that's that's kind of funny. You're both from Tipton. That's that's pretty mad. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different Tiptons, but oh, okay. <laughs> How was yours? My Tipton was great. I I love Tipton. Um, it's you know it's all cows out there, so it's smells wonderful in my opinion, but not not so wonderful to the to the non uh, cow fans. <laughs> oh, How was your Tipton? Uh, it it was horrible. <laughs> I absolutely can't stand it. Oh no! There's a lot of people I'm not too keen on there. There's always a mm. lot of trouble. I've got into a lot of trouble. It's just just some obviously some good people. You get the good with the bad, but like oh yeah. Oh man, that place! I hate that place so much. <laughs> I can't stand it. Well, yeah, we definitely came from different Tiptons. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that your experience was better than mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, so uh, before we jump into things, um, the the essential question I ask everyone in on this podcast is, uh, what if any experience do you have with the agriculture industry? Uh, sorry, what do you mean by agriculture? 
So, uh, you know, generally agriculture is is kind of perceived as as farming, but agriculture could be anything from, you know, like actual farming, working with animals. Um, lumber is considered agriculture, mining. Even there's like there's science that's involved in agriculture, technology that's that's being produced. Um, you know, unfortunately, the video game industry and agriculture don't have the best relationship, but that's a that's a, a side topic. Um, but yeah, just being involved in in kind of like hands-on labor type um, uh, industries that are focused around building or uh, not building, uh, producing food, producing fiber, you know, that that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. I mean, like, I've never really done that. I mean, I've done hands-on work, which mm-hmm. is like just warehouse work or I've done like I've done cleaning for a few years, but I've never done anything where it's like producing food or like looking after livestock and stuff like that. Hmm. Awesome. I've never, I've, I've never really done too much of that. I've just cleaned a lot of crap. <laughs> I moved a lot of boxes. <laughs> hey, that stuff's so necessary too. Um well that's you know that that's great. So the kind of the purpose of this podcast is to bring people, you know, like yourself that, that don't have as much experience in those fields and kind of present them with with some information about what's going on. And um the reason for that, kind of the purpose behind why I do that is because uh a lot of people don't really not only do they not have that experience, but they don't know what's going on behind the scenes of how their food is grown. And because of that, they're being fed information on, on, you know, on social media, that's not necessarily true. And, you know, that has domino effects. It causes them to vote certain ways, or it causes them to make certain decisions in their purchasing that in the long run will actually hurt themselves. And it hurts the farmers and it hurts everyone involved really. And so I'm trying to bring some more awareness to those types of topics so that people can be more educated in their decisions, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. I'll, I'll be straightforward though. Like the only things I know is obviously. So this is what I know. Well, it's not fact though. This is what I've. Let's just say this is what I've heard then. Mm-hmm. So farmers grow stuff. They sell it to markets. Markets freeze it sometimes, or they sell it to butchers, and then you buy the products and you cook them. And obviously mm-hmm. with frozen things, like things get made in factories, and then you buy them because they're cheaper and they last longer in date. That's obviously that may be um a what's the word I'm looking for? An unusual way of seeing it. Mm. But that's the only way I've I really know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's a fairly I say that's that's an accurate um description of how most people see agriculture. You know, it goes yeah. from the farm to the store to the to the consumer, you know, to the average person. Um or or like you said, like there's there's a factory process involved somewhere. Um that's that's kind of so that's kind of starting to get kind of get into the conversation of, of why I want to have this talk is because people tend to realize or to tend to not realize rather that there's different parts of that of that step by step process that are really important to making sure that, that food gets where it is and that it's safe and that's healthy and all that kind of stuff. Um, so before, you know, we, we get into that, are you familiar with the farm to fork process? You know, what steps a, a, a food product goes through before it gets to your plate? Uh, no, I'm not familiar. Okay, so I'll break it down for you. Uh, basically, for the farm to fork process, it, let's just take um, name a random commodity. It could be you know milk or fruit or you know just something. What 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 do you like to eat? Oh, let's go meat. I do like meat. So we can meat. go. Can we go pig? Yeah, definitely. All right. So it, we'll start over on the uh, the hog ranch. You know, so that's that's the first step of the process, right? Uh, baby pig is born. That pig is then fed out. It gets to a certain weight. And then at that weight, they decide to sell it off to the uh, slaughterhouse. And then once it goes through the slaughterhouse, so the slaughterhouse is called a processor. The processor is is an important step of the chain. So it goes producer, which is the farmer, and then processor, 
and then distributor and then retailer and then consumer. That's the actual, uh, that's the chain of, of, you know, chain of command when it comes to food. So once it gets to the processor, that, that pig is in, um, you know, humanely slaughtered. There's, there's laws in place to make sure that that pig has to be treated a certain way before, uh, they're allowed to knock it out and then, uh, turn it into all the ham and, and, you know, the, the bacon and all the kind of stuff that we actually get from our pigs. Um, during that process, there's a lot of federal inspection that, that takes place to make sure that the, the meat is processed safely, that it's uh, refrigerated at the right temperature to make sure it doesn't spoil, that it's cleaned properly. That way it doesn't have any risk of contamination. And then from there, it gets uh, the, all the different cuts get, get sold off um, individually. And then those the buyers of those companies then uh, distribute them in a certain way through through the distributing part of the process. And that's how they get to the uh the 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 retailer which then sells them to to the consumer so basically the short version is you know pig starts on the farm once it gets fat enough it gets to the butcher once it gets to the butcher it turns into you know pork chops once it gets from the pork shop it goes into the uh the packager packager then then goes to the distributor goes to the retailer goes to your plate does that does that make sense that's mad that there's that many steps right <laughs> i had and, no idea there's that many steps i thought it was just you grow a pig you 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 butcher it and you sell it to the store and they sort it out <laughs> right and that's the thing is a lot of people tend to think that way which is fair you know it makes a lot of sense but no there's a lot of you know there's a lot of red tape there's a lot of regulations there's a lot of laws that prevent that that thing from happening that easily just because you know that by doing that you run a lot of risks of you know um food safety issue excuse me, food safety issues you run into risks of you know the hogs not being treated properly you run the risk of of um like antibiotics still being in the hog you know there's all kinds of regulations that are trying to keep the, the food as safe as possible and not only that a lot of people tend to think that all the food in, in in the store is sold by the farmer the farmer sells the food to somebody else who then sells it to somebody else who then sells it to the store and then the store sells it to you so really the farmer has no impact on the food that you get on your plate besides the just growing it after he, after it leaves his farm he has no hands on it until it gets to your plate really mm-hmm <laughs> that's so mad. okay so what, what about stuff like obviously you said the pig's got to get to a certain weight what about when people um i know uh i think it's asia a lot of people eat piglet which is baby pig mm-hmm. um so what about that sort of weight then because obviously that's not a full-size pig right so there are exceptions to the weight rule um and then basically the market dictates that kind of stuff so uh there's not like a set weight that they slaughter hogs is basically it's based off of how the market uh how the market demand is looking for certain uh types of product and so if the market has a high demand for you know pork chops and they know they have to get these pigs to a certain weight before the pork chop is edible then they have to get the pigs to that weight before they're allowed to slaughter them for some uh commodities so like uh, you hear about like veal is kind of an example of that because veal it comes from uh, calves, it comes from baby cows. Yeah, and you know, similar to the piglet situation, like you mentioned, there's a market for that. It's a very, very high dollar market because it's so difficult to to sustain that. But because the market demands it, they have uh they have regulations around around that stuff too about you know how old they can they can slaughter them before the meat is is good or, or not good or you know there's there's all kind of, I, I to be honest I don't know what the numbers are on that kind of stuff I know for for hogs it, you know it's in the couple hundred pounds whereas for like the piglets and the veal calves it's not nearly that high um they you know they they get to a certain age and then after that age is when they start producing hormones I think that's what it is I think that once the you know, the maturity is uh, the, the phase of maturity is starting to be reached. 
the meat no longer tastes as good um, as it would if it was like veal or if it was the piglet or whatever. So I think they kind of just figure out, okay, what age is this thing going to be before it gets starts maturing? That's when we need to slaughter it. And I could be wrong. You know, like I said, that that kind of stuff is a really sticky part of agriculture yeah. just because there's a lot of a lot of ethical debates around it. And so because of that, it's it's hard to get a lot of good information on it just because a lot of a lot of it's kind of like it's it's so controversial that it's hard to find what's true and what's not kind of stuff. Like some people say that they take them right out of the womb. That's not true. They're they're at least raised to a certain age. I don't know what the age is. It depends on the farmer and it depends on the market. But essentially, yeah. So to answer your question is in terms of like how do they determine when that's ready? I think it's when they when they're starting to get to the maturity phase of their life. Oh, okay. Damn. <laughs> that, that's pretty mad how many steps there actually is though as well to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you think about it, you know, it, it kind of sounds gross, but any food that you buy in the store, the number of hands that have touched that food before you get it is it, it's kind of alarming almost. <laughs> like Yeah, that sounds like, pretty grim. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not yeah, it sounds kind of nasty. You know, all these people have touched your food before you even got it. That's why it's so important to wash your food because you know, people make mistakes. There, human error is always something that needs to be accounted for. Although yeah. A, a hefty majority of the cases of foodborne illness, of like food safety issues, food poisoning, recalls, outbreaks, all that kind of stuff, a, a good, good portion of that is on the consumer's part. It's usually related to like them not preparing food in, uh, in a proper way or they're not storing it correctly or whatever. It's very rare that that happens on the farming scale or on the processor scale or on the distributor scale just because of how tight the regulations are on that stuff. Like they, they really have no room for error to let that stuff out or else the entire branch gets shut down. So like if they have one farm that has a recall issue and it's a small farm, that farm might go out of business because they can't afford the suits, you know? Um, but it's usually, like I said, it's usually on the consumer side of things that a lot of that kind of stuff happens. And that's just because of, you know, yes, there's a lot of steps involved uh, to getting the food from the farm to the plate, but those steps are necessary to make sure that food is safe and healthy and it's going to be good for, for everyone who eats it. And it's going to be abundant and all that kind of stuff. Damn, that's. <laughs> I never thought so, yeah. uh, there was that many uh, <laughs> rules and stuff like that. Okay, you were talking about um, like obviously like washing the meat as well and stuff like that. Where mm-hmm. do you stand on? Because I I think I don't know if it's still a debate now, but it, I there was like a, a little trend where it's like, do you wash your chicken or not? And some mm-hmm. people get in a packet, and some people wash it, and some people say no, it's fine. Like, where do you stand on that then? Uh, so I personally consumer as well, isn't it? Sorry, that's the consumer's choice as well. But why is it mm. that? Like, why is it not like? Do you do you wash your beef or not? It's just like now, do you wash your chicken? Right. So I personally, uh, because I've I've studied the food safety concerns and all that kind of stuff, and I'm more aware of how the food safety procedure is is handled. Um, I personally wash, you know, my chicken and my and my meat, and you know, anything that that's in its raw form, it needs to be cleaned in some way. Um. You know, yes, it can be like the ideas behind, you know, if, if you cook it, if you cook it enough, you can get a lot of that stuff out of it. And that's true. Um, but it's better to be safe than sorry, because if you're eating chicken that is, um, you know, maybe maybe you don't cook it all the way, you know, properly and it had salmonella on it. And now you've got salmonella. So it's better to be safe than sorry and just wash it and then cook it. And then um, definitely uh, to be to avoid cross contamination. You know, you should have to, you, you should be careful with that kind of stuff. Like, you know, if you have a. If you have a cutting board and you're cutting your chicken on your cutting board, don't cut your vegetables on your cutting board after that or ground beef or whatever. You know, wash the cutting board or use a different one or use a different knife. You know, like there's so much risk for cross-contamination that people don't 
realized and and so like they get you know they get mad whenever they get sick and they blame you know the chicken and they blame the store they blame the farmer when really they just weren't being careful oh see i didn't realize that i obviously i knew like if you have raw meat then you don't like cut any veg or anything with it you just wash that knife straight away but Mm. i thought like if you had raw chicken and you had raw beef and say you was cooking them together it's okay to use the same knife and the same chopping board no yeah you usually want to try to avoid that stuff unless it's I could be wrong here. I think it's like if it's chicken to chicken or beef to beef, then it's okay. But um, if yeah, if they're if they're different products, then you want to try to avoid, um, you know, letting them mix just because, you know, salmonella has different uh, potential diseases associated with it than beef does. You know, salmonella has a high risk of some. Sal- uh, I've been saying salmonella chicken. <laughs> I've been saying salmonella this whole time. Chicken has a higher risk of salmonella, whereas beef has a higher risk of E. coli um my brain is all over the place so i don't know why um <laughs> it's cool man take your time just catch <laughs> uh, yeah my i just got off work so mine my brain's all trying to recover um but yeah cool. so chicken has a higher chicken has a higher risk of salmonella poisoning whereas uh beef has a higher risk of e coli and so if you mix them you know maybe yeah you you cook the chicken enough to get the salmonella off of it but that salmonella is now on your beef and even though you cooked it it might not be completely off of it because you cook them in different temperatures or because you cook them in different ways or because you prepare them in different ways. Like let's just say you're using ground beef to make hamburger patties. Um, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to prepare that differently than you would like a chicken breast. And so because of that difference in, in preparation, if you cross contaminated those two, there's a higher risk that one of them is going to be infected with the other one's disease. Oh, but obviously if you cook that, you there's a good chance you'll get rid of a lot of the bad stuff. Yeah, usually if you cook it, you'll, you'll be okay. It's just, you know, the the CDC and the FDA and all these other organizations, uh, they try to advise you to to just be safe and try to cook it and clean it as much as possible. Yeah. Do you reckon any of the rules have changed because of COVID? I'm sure there's been some, um, but there hasn't been. So the big thing with COVID, and I've gotten this question before, um, COVID doesn't really impact food a whole lot. Um, like I've been asked before if, if any of the crops have suffered because of COVID or if any of the animals have suffered because of COVID, it doesn't really impact the the crops or the animals all, all that much. Um, you know, the crops, COVID isn't a, isn't a disease that crops can contract. It's not a disease that can really get on food. Um, I'm sure like, you know, if somebody has it and they're breathing on your food, you probably don't want to eat that food at that point. Um, but that's more of like a, you know, now the germs are just there all of a sudden. It's not, it's not like, you know, there's no risk of contamination. Um, you know, if somebody touches a cutting board and then you put your food on it, I don't, as long as, as far as I know, there's no risk of, of contamination with that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I'm sure that the food safety standards have gotten, they, I mean, they've been getting stricter over the years anyway. So I'm sure they've gotten stricter with everything going on right now, just to try to maintain safety. Um, but I don't think that COVID has a direct correlation with food safety concerns as far as I know. Oh, okay. I, I always thought it would have impacted it just a, a little bit because obviously I imagine there'd be less workers because of like, you know, space needed, especially like in factories. Maybe not. So that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, in the agricultural industry, yes, COVID actually has a has a, a massive effect. Um, and not in terms of the infectious part of things, but in, in terms of the, like you said, you know, it shuts things down. There's less workers available. There's less, you know, we had a lot of, of issues with people seeing on Facebook that farmers were dumping milk or that they're having to um, prematurely euthanize uh, pigs or that they're having to kill their cows or, you know, 
all this kind of stuff, which was terrible. And, you know, the farmers were, were suffering because of that kind of stuff. But they were getting mad that, you know, there was a um, a lack of availability of milk and beef and pork in the stores. And that the, what was there was so, um, so costly that it was almost like not even worth buying. And so as much as I understand those concerns, I think that people often tend to forget, and this is part of the reason why, you know, this, this conversation is so important. They forget how that farm to fork process works. It's not that the farmers didn't have enough, uh, you know, product, uh, 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 what's what I'm looking for products. Um, it's that they couldn't get them to the stores. So, yeah, you know, like, like you mentioned with the processors, you have, uh, a beef shortage, let's just say, because there was a beef shortage at the start of the pandemic. It's not because there's not enough beef. It's because they can't get the beef to the processor because the processor is shut down because of COVID regulations. You know, you can't have a certain number of workers in there. So the processor is, has slowed down so much that the beef farmer can now can't put his cows through and he has to slaughter them prematurely. So the farmer and the consumer are losing out in this in this department. The processor is too, but not nearly as much as the other two sides of the equation. And that's the part of the conversation that gets forgotten as people, you know, realize that there is an increase in in price of food and a decrease in, in, in quantity of food, but they don't know why. And that's that's the reason is just because all those middle steps came to a screeching halt when all of this started happening. Oh, and but more people are more quick to blame. So that's instantly blame the farmers. Exactly. And that tends to be the issue is that, you know, when they don't understand what's happening to their food, they blame the farmers. And sometimes it is the farmer's fault. You know, you have to you have to be honest whenever your industry messes up and occasionally the farmers do mess up. But because of the number of steps in between the farmer and the consumer, the chances is the farmer's fault are some to none. Damn, OK. <laughs> I never really realized it like I mean over here uh, especially in the UK I mean obviously like farms are here and they they're obviously busy but mm. it's very rare like especially where I was from Tipton and like now in London that you all even like see a farm it's mm. I don't it's me thinking of a farm now it's so I just don't think of it because I'm just like oh I can just get my food from the shop like I don't think of where it's actually come from I just think oh it's in the shop. I'll just get it from the shop. They'll always have right. more. Yeah, no, exactly. Probably a, it's probably a bad mindset to have. But <laughs> no, you're you're. I mean, you're the you're the norm essentially. You know, people tend to think that way. They think they tend to think. Um, you know, I why should I care about what the farmers are doing? Because I have food readily available in the grocery store. Well, that's the case until you don't have food readily available in the grocery store. Then you start to care what yeah. the farmers are doing. <laughs> and. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've seen that happen. I actually had people contact me to be on the podcast because they uh, started to realize that there was there was an issue getting food in the grocery stores and they wanted to know more about the process that that happens in. That way they can understand why, you know, why it's not the farmer's fault necessarily. And, you know, I think that the more we have those conversations, the better the situation is going to be. I think that that's kind of I mean, that's the entire goal of my podcast is to get more awareness about this kind of stuff out there. That way, people aren't so quick to blame the farmer for everything. and there are certain things, you know, like I said, there are certain things that the farmer needs to be held accountable for. It's just a matter of having the conversation of how much of this is the farmer's fault and how much of this um, is just people not understanding what's actually happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way that you're actually doing it, like for a podcast as well, because I I knew that obviously like, you know, it comes from a farm, it goes to like the shops, but I never knew there was like, I've said this again, I never knew there was so many different steps. Mm. I never knew that actually, I'd never realized, sorry, I'm messing up my words. 
I never <laughs> realized that farmers actually got the blame for a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. pretty that's pretty interesting to hear. So you never well, you never you never hear about that stuff. Like this is probably the first time I've heard about it since we had like foot and mouth disease over here and everyone went a bit mad with the farmers. But that's mm. the only time then. Right. Yeah. And some of you know, like with instances like that, sure, like there's there's definitely because all of those diseases have to originate from somewhere and usually they do originate from the farm. Um and, and at, at that point, yes, you know, the farmers um there are things that the farmers could have done to prevent that kind of stuff from happening. And in that instance, then sure, you know, I'm I'm all for people um getting mad at the farmers because they, they should have done better. But when it's you know when it's not the farmer's fault and people are blaming the farmers is when I start to have an issue with it because they just don't know what's actually happening. And you know, like, like you mentioned, um, a lot of people don't realize that the farmers get blamed for a lot. And it's because the, the general public isn't necessarily the ones blaming the farmers. You see, um, you know, you see politicians blaming farmers, you see activist groups blaming farmers, you see all these people on social media blaming farmers. Those are the ones that we're having to watch out for. And yes, they're in the minority. A lot of people, the general public for the entire world uh, generally trusts agriculture if they if they even think about it, you know, because a lot of people don't even think about agriculture on a daily basis, which is fair. Um, you know, a lot of people don't even realize that, that their food comes from a farm. A lot of people think it just shows up in the grocery store. And that's another thing I'm, I've been trying to work against, too, is, you know, that mentality. Um, but for the most part, people who are in support of agriculture or who, you know, maybe they have a neutral position on it. They're not the ones blaming farmers, but they're being convinced by other people on social media that farmers are bad. And it's causing this, this flux in, in communication that's, that's dangerous for the farmer at the, at the end of the day. I mean, it's, it's pretty mad what social media can actually do, especially when it pushes out like lies as well with uh, farms. Yep. No, absolutely. Because because like social media like there's so many like fake stuff now where it's like when sorry to bring it up when covid hit there was like fake photos of the army and stuff like that saying they're locking down cities no mm -hmm. it's just stuff it's just whatever's popular so if like farmers are in a bad position and that's what's popular they're just going to flood the farmers with it right yeah no exactly there's that's kind of that tends to be the trend from from what i've seen and agriculture is kind of in a weird position in media uh, we're, we're very new to the game a lot of people don't really um pay attention to agriculture in the media just because we're still trying to figure out how to be in the media and how to how to spread our message um and so that's kind of a difficult thing too is you know they've been out there telling our story for us for a long time and they've been telling it wrong well now that we're here to tell our story nobody believes us because we're we haven't been here for so long and so that lack of communication on our part is, is really dangerous too. It's, you know, that's why I tend to not blame consumers for uh, not knowing what's going on in the ag field and then getting mad at the farmers because the farmers aren't doing a great job of, of explaining themselves, you know? And so there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of holes in, in, in the, in the issue here. It's not that, you know, there, there's not a clear issue going on. It's, you know, cause like, like I said, there's, it's not the farmer's fault for everything, but it's not the consumer's fault for not knowing that. It's, it, you know, there, there's definitely blame to be made on both sides and there's blame to be taken away on both sides, if that makes sense. like Oh, yeah, that makes sense. There's, there needs to be that back and forth. I mean, I don't really watch the news that much, but obviously, like, sometimes I'll check articles or I have looks at what's online. Mm -hmm. But there's never anything that says, you know, like, farmers blamed or there's never any news about farming, what, well, what I've seen, unless I just don't look hard enough. 
So it's not a whole lot in the news from what I've seen. Um, it's mostly on social media is kind of where a lot of that comes from. But you see, uh, like th- there are politicians that are that are blaming farmers for um, like climate change issues, for example. Or um, you know, there's politicians who are are working on on legislation that is supposed to be uh, environmentally friendly that that damages agriculture. You know, they I'm sure you've heard of the Green New Deal that that is going on in, in the United States right now. Um, uh, no, what is it? So the Green New Deal is essentially a piece of legislature that was. Uh, proposed by a uh, politician here in, in the United States, and she essentially wanted to make uh, the United States completely environmentally friendly, completely eco-friendly, completely green, how, however you want to word it. But the ways she wanted to go about it were, were the problem. She wanted to kill all cows by the year 2040, I think it was. Just Yeah, all cows gone. And, you know, all... So what was it? All cows are gone. All... um. All fossil fuels are completely gone. All air travel is completely banned. Everything, you know, she had like this list of like all these different things that she wanted to do to to, to save the the planet. None of it was realistic. I mean, there is no way we're going to convert to entirely um, energy sufficient cars by that time. There's no way we're going to be able to kill all of our cows by that time. There's no way we're going to be able to tra- to completely transfer away from air travel by that time. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. And so. A lot of people didn't take it seriously. You know, some people, some people did. Some people thought that it was a great idea and they wanted to, to go full, you know, full steam with it. But is that kind of stuff that's causing a false narrative on what agriculture is actually doing? You know, they, they made a big point about how agriculture is, is dangerous for the environment, about how it's causing climate change, about how, you know, these cows are causing uh, methane emissions that are damaging the earth. None of that is supported by evidence. I mean, agriculture has a footprint on, on the environment, sure, but every industry does. And it's not a super heavy one. I mean, the automotive industry has way more of a footprint than agriculture ever has. And agriculture is getting better by the day. I mean, we're, we're producing technology. It's reducing our, our carbon footprint, our methane footprint, or just in our environmental impact overall, way more than any other industry is, is, is doing right now. And so like, it's, it's stuff like that that I, I've been trying to actively you know speak against you know you have politicians that are out in the field saying it's all the farmers fault that that you know climate change is happening and really we're not doing all that much that's um damn <laughs> <laughs> i had i had uh no idea no idea that that was it this this that politician she wants to get rid of planes she wants to kill off cows yes that's but how I don't get how people can say that that's a good idea, because well we need cows, we need right. planes. Like the thing is now, technology is just going too far, where it's going to become like I love technology. Like my whole world revolves around technology, mm-hmm. but it's it's going to go too far one day, and we're just not going to be able to like live without the stuff and like we just won't change. Like if someone says now oh, you'll never be able to fly again, people will get so annoyed and they'll start caring about the smaller stuff that we actually need, like plants mm-hmm. or we'll need animals, you know, like cattle, we need pigs. We need all this stuff, but it just doesn't seem to be like that now. Just everyone wants to get rid of stuff and it's not that simple. Right. No, exactly. And that's that's kind of the main purpose of my, you know, of of all my ranting is essentially, you know, there's certain things that we cannot get rid of. Like I'm all for technological advancement. I mean, agriculture is, is constantly improving their technology. I love technology. I'm a big science nerd. Technology has always been an interest of mine. 
there's a certain line that we have to draw where we can say, okay, this is not something we can do. You know, we can't get rid of this stuff. We can't change to this thing. We can't do this because it's not going to work. And not only is it not going to work, it's going to hurt people so badly if we try this that it's not even it's not even worth thinking about. Like why, you know, why are we humoring the idea that we're going to kill every cow in the world? You know how many cows there are in the world? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be like tracking. It's going to be like a manhunt. Right. Every single damn bloody cow. <laughs> right. It, and like, what are you going to do after you kill all of them? Like, where are we going to put all that? You know? Like we're gonna have a a a massively abundant meat supply for a few years, and then it's all gonna spoil. And what are we gonna do? You know, like there's just there's so much that is just it doesn't make sense. And that's you know she's more on the radical side, and a lot of those, um, a lot of those conversations that those politicians are having are more radical ideas. And so that's I, I do have to admit that that's not how like the average American thinks. And I'm, I'm grateful for that, but it's people like that, that, it, that can get supporters on those ideas that need to be, um, I was what I'm looking for. Basically we need to have somebody out there that's saying, no, let's not do this. This is not a good idea. This is not going to work. And it's not our fault. And so that's kind of the, you know, that's the long and short of, of what the purpose of, of, what I'm trying to do is, you know, get more information out there, get people to actually do their own research. That's another thing too. I'm not trying to advocate for the idea that I'm an expert on any of this stuff or that I have all the answers. I just want people to do more research, to be more aware of, of what's going on in their lives, to be, you know, more active in, in their environment instead of just sitting by and letting everything that they're told to them become the truth. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Now people have to care about it to do research into it. Like people mm. just won't research into it just for no reason unless they they really want to know about it. But it's right. just like you said, it's getting that message out there without right. obviously like people spreading lies or you know changing voice clips or changing like messages to make it look bad on the farmers. Yeah, no, exactly. And so I think that I think that there's just a lot to be said in terms of you know how we handle these conversations, what we go about. In, in what ways we go about educating the public about this kind of stuff. And I think that one of the ways that I've been really working on it is I, I think that the, 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 the solution is making agriculture part of the mainstream uh, conversation again. And agriculture hasn't really been a mainstream topic for a long time. I mean, like we haven't considered agriculture something that is a, a common discussion topic for, I don't know how, maybe 10 years, um, maybe long 20 years. I don't know. Agriculture is not at the forefront of people's minds anymore. And so I've been kind of taking, uh, you know, steps towards trying to improve that. And that actually kind of transitions into another topic that I wanted to bring up before we uh, closed out, which was, you know, like you said, you have a background in video game design and, and that kind of stuff. I've been approaching agriculture as a pop culture topic. So relating it to video games, relating it to movies, relating it to, you know, making putting it in a context that people can actually relate to it and find it interesting because agriculture is a very uh modern topic. People just tend to think about it in an ancient way. They think, you know, the farmer is like a guy in overalls with a straw hat and he's you know he's milking one cow and he's got a cornfield. <laughs> and that's just, you know, that, that's not how things work anymore. We have very advanced, you know, professionals in the industry we have technology that that most people wouldn't even believe exists yet we have you know we have robotic milkers we have drones we have uh, artificial intelligence we have all the stuff that people don't even realize is in the industry and so that's why i'm trying to take the perspective of okay how can i bring this to the public in a way that they're going to accept it and i think the ticket that i found to that is you know like i mentioned 
putting in a language that everyone speaks pop culture yeah. movies yeah. video games all that kind of stuff and so like i've had episodes talking about agriculture in movies you know i had an episode where we talked about agriculture in star wars and agriculture in the martian and agriculture you know that kind of stuff um so you know in in your experience with with video games um i know this is kind of like a like a off the wall topic but like ha- have you seen examples of like agriculture of farming that kind of stuff in in some of the things you've worked on uh not that i've particularly worked on but mm-hmm. i have saw them in game like uh especially like the big one obviously it's gonna be the big one farming simulator right big one like it's all about farming it's all about using tools it's all about using techniques but by the way i had no idea like you guys had drones like farms <laughs> that's pretty mad <laughs> um there, right. there, was, there was another game i forgot the name of it but it'll come to me um where i don't know if it's exactly agri- agriculture but it's very accurate where mm-hmm. you need to grow these crops it was one of the first rpgs made and you have to grow crops and they take six months in real real time to grow these crops oh wow and you have to look after them and then my friend was playing in it and, <laughs> and a, a bird come and ate all the crops <laughs> so oh character, no but you have to you have to check it obviously like every day like a real life thing like you have to look after this otherwise the person in your game will starve to death and they will die and you'll have to start all again. Huh. That sounds really interesting. Pretty mad. I'll I'll see if I can find it, but I don't want to type because obviously, you know, I'll ruin the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um but yeah, so one of the things I talked about on actually another person's podcast once was agriculture is is in video games a lot more than we tend to think it is um so have you ever heard of stardew valley yeah oh my god i completely forgot about stardew valley i love that <laughs> game i own it twice <laughs> oh yeah stardew no, valley I, is brilliant yes i'm a big fan of it yeah. that's a great example of agriculture in video games and yes you own a farm but the the farming aspects of it are actually probably the least accurate part of, of the farming of the of the agriculture element to it what I mean by it being a, a good example of agriculture, the biggest struggle of Stardew Valley, as I'm sure you know, is that you have so much to do and no time or energy to get it all done. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Like maybe the first two two or three days, maybe stretch it a week, you'll be fine because you just you know get parsnips, you plant them, you water them, you're fine. But when you want to like, huh, I want to make a bigger farm, I want to make more stuff. You don't have that energy to walk around without watering can all day. Right. You have, exactly. Because then, because then you've got to eat your stock that you find as well. You've got to eat your parsnips to be able to water more. And then that's where your money goes. And then your produce goes as well. So in that context, so as someone who's played Stardew Valley, what do you do? You know, let's say you want to build a bigger farm, but you also want to go mining and you also want to go uh, down to the beach and fish and you also want to go work on your relationships with people in the town yeah how do you manage having a bigger farm with more responsibilities to do when there's still time and energy that you need to be spending in other areas so personally what i do the first few days i will just get parsnips just to get a bit of income and um, once i want that bigger farm i'll fish for a whole two days and i'll collect as much fish as possible and i'll store it after that, I'll keep I'll keep playing until I get the water fountains, and that's when I'll start to create the bigger farm where the sprinklers are just not just not the fountain, sorry, the sprinklers will water most of the plants for me, and I'll always check the weather as well on the TV, just in case you know because if it rains, you don't have to water them, then you can use more energy to meet mm. people in town. 
So it's all about planning your day, really. And especially in the mines. <laughs> the mines, if I'm going to the mines, I don't do anything with the crops. Not on that day. It's impossible unless it rains. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. So that is a perfect description of agriculture, essentially. You know, since the beginning of time all the way to today, agriculture has always been about what is the best way I can allocate my resources, time, and energy to make the most productive game I can, essentially. You know, if you, if you wanted to think about it like a game, that's essentially what, what farmers are doing today, you know? Yeah. A lot of people are opposed to the way that we use modern practices like, you know, uh, we have robotics, like I mentioned, we have like the drones, we have robots, we have artificial intelligence working in agriculture. There are some people that are opposed to that kind of stuff. They think that we should be more traditionalists. Uh, there are people who more opposed or who are more um, on the on the on board with the idea of like organic farming, where we don't use pesticides, we don't use any kind of fertilizers, we don't use kind of um, you know any sprays, any like we just kind of leave it alone. Um, with that kind of stuff, there is a lot of controversy over why we're using newer methods versus older methods. And I always point to Stardew Valley as my example. You know, farmers have a million and one things to do. They have to produce their products, but also they have to enhance their farm. They have to pay their bills. They have, they have to take care of their family. They have other responsibilities going on. Yeah. So how do you expect them to manage all of those things without advancing their techniques? And so in Stardew Valley, like you mentioned, a lot of it has to do with stockpiling. A lot of it has to do with predicting the weather. A lot of it has to do with understanding how the markets are going to be working. A lot of it has to do with building relationships with the, with the town. That way they can help you with your farm. And technological advancement is one of the best things you can ask for. And so while it is a game about farming, people tend to not realize just how accurate it really is to how farming is in real life. You know, there's a lot of planning involved. There's a lot of understanding of markets and times and all this kind of stuff involved. There's a lot of relationship building involved. There's a lot of technological advancement that's, that's needed to be able to manage that kind of stuff. And so that, that kind of, when I, when I bring that up, it, it makes a lot of sense to people, but it also kind of blows their mind a little bit that that's, you know, that they're basically farmers in, in, in a virtual world. Yeah, that's that's pretty mad. <laughs> I mean, I always thought of it just like, oh, I'm farming on a game. This is pretty cool, but I've never thought about it like, huh, this is like very similar to like real life farming. <laughs> it is. What, and what, on, sorry. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say one of the things about the organic thing, though, what you mentioned where the farmers shouldn't use they, they you know, some people want farmers to be more organic. My, my opinion is like if they want their food organic, they should probably grow it themselves because farmers have like you said a lot to do like they've got families and mm -hmm. a lot of things that's always said in the game industry is you know work smart don't work hard because mm -hmm. if you have a tool if you can make a tool where you can you know produce 100 models instead of individual ones you may as well use that tool it's going to help you it's going to save your time it's going to save your energy that energy can be spent somewhere else energy can the energy that you save can be spent on resources as well to help other people or just mm -hmm. have time to yourself. So, you know, I always say work smart, don't work hard. Yep, work smarter, not harder. Yep. Yep, no, exactly. And that's that's kind of the, that's the mentality behind agricultural innovation in the first place, you know. It's all about how can we produce the most amount of food possible on the least amount of land using the least amount of resources. And that's essentially what farmers are having to do now because our population is just going and going and going and it's predicted to reach like, about 10 billion people by the year 2050. We're about, you know, we're supposed to go up another 2 billion in population and we're going to have less land. We're going to have less resources. We're going to have more regulation. We're going to have more, you know, there's going to be so much against farmers 
it's a, it's almost a miracle that we'll be able to grow food at all. And so that's why I'm, I've been having the conversation of, you know, you may not like the idea that farmers are having to use GMOs or or pesticides or antibiotics or that kind of stuff. But when they have so much to do, how are you going to tell them that they can't essentially, you know, like they have to grow that food. We have to feed our population or else we're going to starve. We can't afford to not use every tool in our disposal to make sure that food is grown as abundantly as safely and as, as, as healthily as possible. And so that's kind of my, Stardew Valley is kind of one of my go-tos to, to explain that point. But farming is is all over the place in video games. I mean, farming is actually a term that we use in video games. It's also called grinding, but yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with the term farming. You know, you yeah. <laughs> kill, some, kill something over and over and over again to get the same result. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... that's <laughs> so what's, what's kind of funny about that is, you know, insanity is described as doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Farming is kind of like that too. Yeah. But... Like, but it's interesting what you said about farming as well, like especially in games, because mm-hmm. I mean I've done it myself. I'm just farming just to literally get a level, and it's just like I don't think this level's going to do anything, but I want to be like level thirty-seven instead of thirty-six, <laughs> and I don't know what it is. It's just like, oh, okay, I'll do it. But even though I'm trying to do it, and I'm doing the same thing over and over again. My energy is going where that energy could be spent somewhere way more useful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, it's just a manager. It's, it's a it's a, a matter of being able to manage your resources well, you know, and energy as a resource, being able to manage your time well, being able to manage, you know, where you want to put your attention and, and is it worth it for what you're trying to do? And it's all about having end goals in mind, you know, how, you know, how much of, of this thing do you want to have done by this amount of time? And how much how much time are you going to spend working on it until you decide that it's not worth it anymore? And so that kind of stuff is, is stuff that farmers has to have to take in mind, too um there's you know i i could go into depth on term in terms of like all the different games that i've hold examples for farming out of i mean you have minecraft you have stardew valley you have uh you know, like there's there's tons of examples of, of games that have farming as an element either in a literal way or in a very very metaphorical way kind of like i mentioned um yeah. but at the end of the day i, I i've been trying to prove the point that the agriculture is is everywhere you know whether it's in a physical form or if just the elements of agriculture are in other things that we that we do there's there's a certain you know aspect of of it that just kind of is always part of our lives and so you know if i can help people understand that by relating it to video games or movies or whatever i'm gonna do it because i think that's an it's important for them to learn that and it, it tends to kind of you know interest people whenever whenever i can relate it to stuff like that you know when i tell them that you know, farming is is in video games that that they don't even think about, and they go in back and look at it. They're like, "Huh, I never noticed that." But you're right; it is in there, and that kind of stuff is cool to me. I think it, I think it's kind of interesting. It is a pretty cool way to look at the same thing that you've looked at a while ago, but in a completely new way. Right. Like, no, exactly. Next time I'm playing Stardew Valley, I'll be like, "Oh God, damn you, Brendan!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. I've I've ruined him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a I, I had a podcast that I was on where we were talking about um, agriculture and movies. And he said that every time he watched a movie after that, he just could not look at it the same way. Like he just saw things popping out of him. He's like, oh, that reminds me of this thing that we talked about. And that reminds me. And I was like, good. It's, in, it's now stuck in your head. I've done my job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spread the message. But that's cool, though, because I've got other friends that play Stardew Valley and I'll talk to them about it because I never realized how it was. God damn right. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's something that, you know, and, and like I said, not everyone has to 
you know, you don't have to understand that stuff to appreciate the game. It's a fun game and you should be able to enjoy it just for being a fun game. But the entire idea is that I'm trying to bring, you know, this conversation about our food and, and how we get it into the mainstream. And it helps a lot being able to to relate it to things that's already there, you know, relating it to things that people are really interested in. I've I've been, you know, like you've heard about you have you heard about like the foodies? Uh, the foodies, no, sorry. So foodies are like influencers, like Instagram influencers or whatever that they just post pictures of their food. You know, they they oh, everywhere they okay. go, they talk about their food and what they eat. Oh really? I mm-hmm. I've watched like competitive eaters. Like uh, I watch a guy called like Beard Meets Food and Mike Chan. Like he just shows different food. But I don't. Are they maybe fooders? They're a little bit different. I mean, they might be foodies too. But um, no, foodies tend to be very like. Uh, like they go to exotic restaurants and they post about their meal and they usually like like they almost like they get free meals and stuff because they give advertisement to restaurants and it's all about you know oh yeah this this plate of of you know this salad was grown in this field and you know it's it's all about the story of the food and all this kind of stuff and so I don't fully understand it but I think just people like looking at food and so they follow them I don't know why it's such a popular trend but it is yeah. anyways. I've been trying to get foodies on the podcast for a while because I think it'd be interesting to take something that's really, really popular that people enjoy looking at and say, hey, this is all about agriculture. Like the entire thing that you're doing is food based and people don't even realize that half the food that you're showing them is grown in a field right outside their door. And, you know, there's there's so much about everything that we like and it's not just with the foodie situation or with the video games or with the movies there's so much in everything we do that's based around agriculture that people don't realize the clothes you wear the table that you have your computer on all of it is produced you know through that through that kind of hard labor that is often overlooked and so when people start to realize how much of their lives really revolve around this stuff and how much basically how screwed they would be without it it starts to kind of open their eyes a bit to why it's important to understand you know what's going on behind the scenes why it's important to vote on why it's important to not listen to social media all the time um you know why it's important to have these conversations about this kind of stuff yeah i think it's going to be difficult now to obviously try and get people off um and not listen to social media because there's so many influencers now like Mm -hmm. you like an influencer well someone who's let's probably say a little bit younger if an influencer says something you're just going to agree with them whatever right no exactly and the Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, that's one of the problems where if influencers have like a young audience, uh, they can really corrupt the minds. Yeah, no, exactly. And and the influencer problem is definitely one that I've addressed before that I think needs to be worked on. Um, but the, you know, the entire idea is like maybe, and that's kind of, that's kind of something that we've been talking about in the ag media sphere too, is maybe we don't get them to stop listening to social media, but if we can get our voice just as loud as their voice, then we'll be okay, you know, because now they have a choice. They can listen to this guy or they can listen to us. And we're the same, you know, we're the same size right now. There aren't any ag media channels that are that big. And it's not about getting big for the popularity. It's about getting big. So that way the word is out there and about getting, you know, the awareness to the information. Yeah. So you want to obviously like, you want to share the information, make people realize, Hey, this is all the effort that goes into your food. Stop blaming right. them farmers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, not not just the effort, but also you know, there's this much work put into the the process too. You know, all the regulation, all the inspection, all that kind of stuff. Like there, there's you know, 
an insane amount of complexity and the technology too. You know, people, like you mentioned, you didn't know that we use drones. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know we use robots. A lot of people don't know that we use uh, chemicals for certain things and not chemicals for other things. And, you know, a lot of people don't know what's actually happening behind the scenes. And when they find out, they're usually really interested. Some of them are terrified, but they're usually pretty interested. Well, that's the thing as well. Like when we were just talking about it, I mean, I had no idea it had all this and now I've just had all this information. And I think it's good the way you've actually showed it through, like you said, pop culture, like films, games, TV shows, I imagine as well. And I think Mm -hmm. it gets people more interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like it does at least. I mean, I've had a pretty decent number of people respond to me on, you know, like I had, like I said, like I said, we did an episode where we talked about uh, Star Wars and, and agriculture. I actually went into online Star Wars communities and I posted questions to them that we were talking about in the episode and they responded and they were like super excited to to discuss stuff because it was Star Wars. They didn't realize they were talking about agriculture too, though. But now when they go look at those products in, in the, you know, in the store, that conversation will come back to their mind and they'll be thinking about their, you know, their purchasing decisions and their voting decisions more. And that's kind of the, the plan at the end of the day. Like, it's not necessarily subliminal messaging, but it's kind of like the same idea. It's like the Pavlov effect, you know, like you, like you attach, you know, you attach one reaction to another. So you get them really excited to talk about star Wars. Well, they're talking about farming too. So now whenever they think of star Wars, they'll think of farming and they'll care about it more. Yeah. Because obviously it's, it's something that they care about into something new, which is actually a really, really cool way of doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I think that, I mean that, like I said, that's that's kind of been my my method to uh, introducing this stuff to the general public. Whether or not it works, I mean, we'll see. It, it's been working pretty okay so far, but we'll see if it continues to to work that way. But I mean, if it gets people interested, that's all I'm that's all I'm looking for. I think it will get people interested because, sorry, Good. <laughs> had to clear my throat. Mm. <laughs> I think it will get people more interested because, as long as you link it to something they're interested in, they'll always carry it around with them as well. Like every time I know I play Stardew Valley now, I'll be like, oh shit, yeah, agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, exactly. So I, I think that's, you know, that's, that's really, at the end of the day, that's, that's the goal. And so if, if we're, if I'm getting stuff stuck in your head about Stardew Valley, then I'm doing my job just, just fine. Yeah. I think you're doing a wicked job, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, I I think that you know that that's all that I had. Do you have any other questions for me? Anything else you want to talk about? Or um, I think on the top of my head, I think you pretty much covered it all because I didn't really know too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, if you come up with any other questions or if you come across anything on social media, you're you know you know how to get a hold of me, and we can yeah. always do a follow up episode or whatever, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll have a look into some stuff, and I'll uh, I'll get some more questions ready for you. <laughs> awesome. I'll shoot, I'll shoot them at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I hope I did, I wasn't uh, talking too much. I tend to do that quite a bit. No, it's fine. It's all it's all information. I mean, because I never really knew too much about it. I know you mentioned it on my podcast, but mm-hmm. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't understand like the actual depths of agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the point. I mean, people do. That's mad. That's actually really <laughs> cool, though. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so like I said, if you you know. If you find anything else you want to talk about, you're more than welcome to come back on the podcast. I'm always happy to have another guest on. Um, but I think that's I think that's all I got. Oh, perfect. All right, I'll do, <laughs> I'll do some uh, research. 
Sounds great. All right. So, um, yeah, before, uh, before we close out here, you want to go ahead and, and plug your podcast or anything else you want to share? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, oh, fuck. I, I forgot my name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm the host of the Raw Life podcast. I talk to strangers. I normally just post on Reddit and they get in contact with me if they want to share the story. I ask them questions, you know, like what's the best experience? What's the worst experience? Tell me an embarrassing story. And it's just a conversation for around about an hour and we just talk about yourself. That's pretty much <laughs> sums it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. I was actually on an episode of it a few weeks past. Um, it was actually one of your earlier episodes, wasn't it? It was. Now I've got a better mic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, great. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend you guys go checking out the Raw Life podcast. And I'll be sharing that around when it, whenever this episode drops. So you guys can go listen to my episode on his podcast and, you know, go check out the other great episodes he's had on there with people more interesting than me. And, um, yeah, so I think that I think it's been a lot of fun. So is there anything else you wanted to add on to that? Anything you want to close with? I just want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it, Brendan. It's been a good, it's been, it's been knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I really appreciate you, uh, you agreeing to come on here. It's always, it's always nice to catch up with, with people I've worked with before. Yeah, it's, it's banging. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I will, um, I'll link all your stuff down in the description if you want to share it with me and I'll, you know, definitely be reaching out to you again. And if you have anything else for me, just let me know. We can connect again and, and do a, that sounds class. I mean, don't you worry. I'll find you some questions. <laughs> I'll do I'm my looking research. forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to it. So yeah, that's that's all I have for you. So thanks again so much for uh, for joining me for this episode. Um, thanks to all my listeners for tuning in. Don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer.